passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. On Saturday, November 19th, post-wrestling turns five years old. This is Lewis Blackwell. I say that like you know who I am. Either way, uh, I've been a post-mark since the inception. It's weird and to have what feels like a personal relationship with people you've never met. I listen to you guys almost every single day, right? When I'm walking my dog, when I'm driving to get groceries, when I'm kind of doing what I'm working. I just want to thank you guys for putting out incredible content, for being super entertaining, for being uh, decent dudes, you know, as best as I can tell from the from what you guys put out there. Uh, congratulations, Way, on being a dad. And I guess super late congratulations, John, uh, to you as well. Uh, and I wish you guys the best. Leave your memories at memo.fm slash post wrestling and join us Saturday, November 19th at QXT's nightclub in Newark, New Jersey for our five year anniversary show presented by our friends at Real Digital. A live Q&A, the post-origin story, VIP meet-and-greet and event t-shirt with the largest gathering of the post community ever. Tickets available now at postwrestling.com slash live. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind Around with John Pollock and waiting the A-Team. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around. Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way Take the Mic. Hello everybody, happy Halloween. It is John Pollock alongside Waiting. Hello. Hello, John. The Jester's Cap. Isn't it clever? Yeah, I see you've come decked out in a Halloween outfit. You're wearing a Jester's Cap t-shirt with an actual cap. If there's one thing the kids cannot say about us, it's no cap. (laughs) Yes, both of us wearing caps. Nice. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. You you know, you're making me feel like I should have um, really put a bit more effort into my outfit. You look... uh, My costume. You look like... um, uh, um, a father of a uh, three-month-old baby that probably <laughs> is driving you up the wall at weird hours of the day. I look like a guy who just shaved. You know, and that's about as much effort as I'm willing to put into my my appearance for for this video podcast here. I, I just I do, took a do razor you shave to my face. before our our shows. I, I I usually have a bit bit of stubble, and I I have no other excuse to be presentable to the world anymore except for these. So yes, I did shave a bit. Well, it looks, uh, looks. So I'm a shaved. I'm a. I'm a somewhat shaved, uh, <laughs> stubbleless man. We'll take you Halloween. any way we can get you away. Well, uh, tonight was. Uh, well, today 
it was Oscar's first Halloween, and I I did uh, see some some photos. He looked uh, adorable. Um, I was I was all prepared to put in a a relish pun, but I see people beat me to it in the uh, the comment section. Uh, so I, <laughs> I I did not add on to the the obvious joke, but uh, it was it was a fun time. Did you did you venture out today? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, we went to get our flu shots. So that that was exciting. Well, and, he'll never forget his first <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, my my kid was dressed up as a as a hot dog, and um, yes, plenty of uh, Oscar Mayer Wiener references. So he uh, got a flu had. shot. No, 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 no. I oh, got okay. the we got the flu shot. He just joined us. Okay, I was um, I was gonna say, has he gotten no. needles yet? Any oh, yeah. kind of needles? And yes. he lost his mind. Well, you know what's the delayed cell, isn't it? You know, it's the all Japan delayed cell. You know, he, yeah. he gets the jab and it's like he doesn't it doesn't affect him until like five seconds later. Then he's screaming. So um, anyway, today was just me. It was my turn, my turn. And uh, yeah, I screamed like a baby, you know, got jabbed in the arm. Um, Did you have the, the, the delay cell as well? Uh, you know, yeah, delayed. Um, no, I didn't even delay it. You know, it was immediate. But um, yeah, no, it, it was his first birthday or sorry, Halloween. I'm so tired, everybody. Um, but your kids actually went trick or treating, from what I, what I could tell. That's right. That's right. We, we we were. It was pouring rain this morning, so I was like, okay, this this could be an interesting Halloween. But the weather turned out all right tonight. Like it was it was like spitting rain a bit, it, but it yeah. was it, it turned out fine. You know, you just you just need like a solid like thirty forty minutes. That's that's trick or treating. So I we mean, got that in. He went with all of his friends and stuff, and uh, yeah, Evie went as well. So yeah, she uh, just was she she figured out trick or treating extremely quick. By about the third house, she was just grabbing in. Instead of taking one, she'd take three. And who's going to tell a one year old uh, like, oh no, it's only one? So she just made out like a bandit. That's like really early to go trick or treating, isn't it? At that age, yeah, I would say. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, because we would have taken Max when he was uh, maybe two was the first time. I mean, she's almost two. It's like next month. So um, okay. So now they got the candy. They come come back with the loot. How do they? How do you ration it for them? Um, we just put it all together, and then they will they will work on this candy for God knows how long. Do you limit how much candy they can eat? Yes, yes. We don't let them just go to go to town. I mean, Evie's not going to eat a whole ton. She'll she'll have like a smarty, and that's like her her intake. Right. Okay. And so it'll last her for quite a while. Uh, what was yeah, the best candy? Oh, what was the best candy that that they got today? I mean, there was the there's always the one house that does the the full the full size candy bars. I mean, that's always a, I guess a popular house. Um, Trying to win some awards. I, I guess so. I mean, yeah. you you want to be that that house. I think that that Do I think you? that holds more of a distinction. During a recession? Process. Are you kidding me? Who's going to be the candy bar house right now? You know, I I, I think it's a little overrated to to, to be quite honest. I, I don't know if um if kids really care that much about the full size uh, candy bar versus uh. The the I I always like kind of having a mix of stuff. It's like you know what I I can only have so many Mars bars. You know what I mean? Like let's you know throw in a Three Musketeers and I'm I'm happy. That's that shows some some creativity. But you know it's it's the standard fare generally. Mm-hmm. And if something looks really weird, you don't want to eat it anyway. Like what what is this? <laughs> it's been a while, so I I don't know what what they're giving out these days. But okay, so some candy bars. What else? Like what what else were was creative that you could see? In terms of uh, candy being given given away, I mean, yeah, or just well, you know, things that were being given out. Anything unusual? 
I'll tell you some of the costumes I saw tonight. There was a there was a Doctor Strange. Uh, one of the kids on the street dressed as a Doctor Strange. A pretty like elaborate outfit. Um, there was another kid who had a crown of snakes. It was just like wrapped around her head. All these like rubber snakes that like, were like, like going in all these different directions. Like Is this Medusa, some character? Like Medusa, you mean? Um, I guess so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I okay. don't know the uh, the exact uh, look uh, of this Medusa. That that was a cool costume I saw. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a a train. It's a kid dressed up as a train one, with, a, no, with a light one train. Yeah. Wow. Ninja okay. Turtle. Um, I'm trying to think here. Yeah. All right. Okay. Did you, cool. did you get? Did you hand out candy? We tonight? didn't. No, no, we didn't. No, um, we didn't. I didn't even see any kids really on our walk. So. Well, there you go. Sorry. Halloween is in the books for, for another mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Well, tonight we are going to be getting into the Halloween edition of, of Raw. What a uh, – the trick or treat street fight, trick or street fight, however they, they called this. We will, we will get into all of that, uh, the latest news and, uh, and whatever else is happening across the world. Um, but we will mention off the top that on Tuesday night, it is a special watch-along edition of Rewind Away. We are going to be sitting down, Way and I, along with our espresso executive producer this week, who is one Brandon from New Jersey. And we are going to be sitting down to watch the WBF pay-per-view from June of 1992, a pay-per-view that bombed at the time. Uh, we are going to uh, revive this thing. Uh, I imagine, Way, you have never watched this. Uh, neither have I. Mm-mm. So Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, for all members at postwrestlingcafe.com, you two can join us for this live watch-along edition of Rewind Away as we all sit down for two hours to watch Gary Stridham and company show us um, what could have been with the World Bodybuilding Federation. And I'm uniquely curious about this event and i think a live watch along is the best way to absorb this i don't want to watch this on my own and take notes i i really don't don't know anything about the wbf so um i'm going into this thing completely cold um i have no idea what to expect and i'm i'm very excited that is tuesday night um should be should be a memorable watch along i think as we get uh ways Brand new thoughts on on the World Bodybuilding Federation. Maybe we're, we're going to see something that was that could have been a gigantic hit. That this thing really should have worked if they had just tweaked the, this one little thing. Maybe it'll inspire us to like become bodybuilders. Yeah, you and I. That's a huge likelihood of this review on Tuesday night. Very, very probable that next year for Halloween, um, we will be recreating this cover from June of 1992. <laughs> uh, later on this week, uh, Thursday, I am going. I'm going to shift from the World Bodybuilding Federation to the WWE's third quarter earnings report. As myself and Brandon Thurston will be doing a show live at one Eastern on Thursday, and you'll be able to listen to that on both the Post Wrestling and WrestleNomics uh, podcast feed. So you can check that out on Thursday. The The earnings call was supposed to be on Thursday morning, like a super early call. It's like, this is perfect. This is just tremendous. And then last week, they moved it to Wednesday night at 5 o'clock. 
It's like, this is the absolute worst time of the week mm. for me. Wednesday is already a very difficult day for me. I have to actually finish a, a bit earlier on, on Wednesdays. And then you've got dynamite that night. So just, uh, just a horrible time for this earnings call. So anyway, mm. Thursday at one, we'll be live to chat all about the, uh, the, uh, the numbers and analysis coming out. Always a fun time, uh, with Brandon Thurston. So that's on Thursday, Friday, Way and Kate will have you covered for rewind to SmackDown. And then Kate will be coming back the very next day on Saturday with me for the crown jewel post show to talk about WWE's, uh, much anticipated return to Saudi Arabia. And also of note on Saturday is a new long and winding Royal road where Tom Lawler is going to be joining WH park. Tom Lawler, everybody, a, a peek behind the curtain here. He ends up working the New Japan shows last week in New York City, goes to Seattle to work Minoru Suzuki on Saturday night for Defy, and then Sunday night, he's home to chat with WH Park. So this one is, uh, the, the show is in the can. It's ready to go. Saturday night, they're going to be de- uh, discussing Yoshinari Ogawa and Masahiro Kakihara from January of 1999. I'm very much looking forward to the show with Tom Lawler and WH. I believe the first show those two have done together. From what I could remember yeah but i mean listen like we know who the real main event is of tom Lawler's weekend um semi-main might be a minor suzuki match but the main event has to be a podcast with wh park absolutely so look out for that uh the whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com and we will be uh reminding you throughout the week of all all the different things you, you can check out and uh and yes it is a new month at a Post Wrestling Cafe, but with the the new billing system, um, you can really sign up at any point in the month. It's now uh, you don't have to outsmart uh, Patreon to get your true value out of uh, the Post Wrestling Cafe. But a lot of great stuff coming up this month, starting off with Rewind Away on Tuesday night with the WBF Watch Along that will be also available after the fact for all cafe members. Uh, but let's uh, also mention the Post Wrestling 5th Anniversary Show. We're going to continue to hit everyone over the head with this Saturday, November 19th, QXT's nightclub in Newark, New Jersey, presented by our friends at Real Digital. Way and I are going to be hosting a Q&A show. Brain and Davey are going to be hosting one of their legendary games live and in living color in Newark, New Jersey. We're also going to have a who's who of the post-wrestling community on hand. WH Park, Brandon Thurston, Neil Flanagan, Benno is coming. I mean, we, we're going to have the European contingent. We're going to have the Canadian contingent, the New Jersey contingent. I mean, all over. The Buffalo chapter of post-wrestling will be represented through uh, Brandon. Uh, I mean, we just have uh, a giant list, including the one and only Andrew Thompson, who we will get to meet for the first time. He will be there at the five-year anniversary show, uh, just minutes away from the Prudential Center, the same day as AEW's Full Gear, which I will be going to. That night. That makes one of us. Congratulations, John. (laughs) Of course, uh, the five-year anniversary we are celebrating, and today actually marks the five-year anniversary of our first... This photo was five years ago. Well, this this is not exactly, but this thumbnail that was used for our Renegade show after we... Well, we were released five years ago, everybody, so that that, that is what also the anniversary we might be celebrating in particular today, losing our jobs. But then again, being in beginnings... We went to work, we said, trick or treat, and they said, here's a trick. Yeah, there we go. So so this podcast is still out on our feeds, everybody. Of course, we hosted all our shows on archive.org without an RSS feed at the time, but you can all find it here if you scroll all the way back on your post-wrestling feed or going to post wrestling.com maybe relive 
some of those initial moments. Yes. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, five years later, who would have thunk it? I, I mean, I was hoping at least five years. Yeah, but sure. I was like, let's, let's get a solid three in. I think uh, anything above that's gravy. So here we are five years. Uh, congratulations. All right. Let's get into um, some of the news from the last couple of days and bring everyone up to speed. Um, not something that, um, you know, uh, we, we have to go into uh, too much depth, but I, I just want to um, get, give my best uh, wishes to uh, Carmela. Um, she posted today a very unfortunate series of circumstances over the last few months, uh, revealing that she had a miscarriage back in September, uh, then got pregnant again and was treated for an ectopic uh, pregnancy over the weekend after experiencing pain and was in the emergency room and posted this today, just revealing this, uh, just uh, a heartbreaking series of stories that her and uh, Corey Graves have gone through the last couple of months as well. And I would say it, you know, just, um, Seeing what a lot of these um, people in the public spotlight have to endure on social media, I think it is very, very courageous to post stuff like this um, because there is a lot of people, I think, that get help by posting this stuff. And just hearing from Kevin Nash that, I mean, how anyone could imagine what someone is going through that has lost a child and he's sharing, you know – jokes that people have sent his way about his son passing away. Like it's just the scum of the earth um, that exists out there when someone is going through a a tragedy and shares it publicly. Um, It it tells you, I think a lot of bravery to share stories like that when there are people out there that are just awful, awful human beings that um, use that stuff to try and inflict pain on people. Well, I think mm, the internet has always mm, been a source of um have has been a source of um i think uh value for people that lack any sort of reason (laughs) to 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 to, you know to 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 have uh, any sort of significance in their daily lives um the feeling that they can get of bothering and being any sort of significant portion of you know a celebrity's life for instance is the, their only driving motivator. Um, and, and it's honestly just incredibly sad, of course. And um, uh, it's the bad side of this whole thing, you know, because otherwise there are great opportunities for people um, to find support, really. People like Carmela that are, are, are you know, being so public with something, something like this. Leah Vandale is her real name. And I, I almost yeah. feel like, you know, it's better to use her real name in, in a situation like this than her, than her character, but um, her doing something like this, um, you know, there are a lot of people that have gone through it in the past and people who will continue to go through it in the future. And I think knowing a familiar name um, being, you know, to hear about their, their, their experience in some way provides at least a small level of comfort to people who are going through it, will go through it in the future and uh, have gone through it in the past. So it's, it's, you know, extremely unfortunate news for, for her, her and Corey. Um, but, you know, to me, it's, this is a, a it's one of the positive th- things about celebrity and about the, the internet, you know, the fact that people like this can, can share and find support uh, with their stories and the other people that choose to prey on it. I choose, I hope, I hope none of us pay them any attention. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to focus on that, but it's just, um, to, to me emphasizes like how much uh, good it, it is for 
someone to put a story like that out there. I think it's extremely helpful for people to, um, to, to read about that, to, um, you know, if they've gone through it themselves. Um, but for a lot of these people, like it is, you put such a personal story out there. And unfortunately, like that, like there is a reason people are so cautious and nervous to do such a thing because that, that exists out there. Um, so anyway, I, I just think like it was very courageous of her to put that story out there. We'll get into the uh, rest of the news. Uh, going back to Friday. So SmackDown was uh, on FS1 due to the World Series and did 835,000 viewers, a 0.23 in the 18 to 49 demo. So obviously we're not going to compare to weeks on Fox, given that they were on FS1. Um, interestingly enough, in Canada, um, they did a huge number. They did 237,000 viewers, which was their second highest number of the year, which was going against the World Series, a CFL game, and a Toronto Raptors game. Now, in Canada, when we get the Canadian numbers for SmackDown, uh, Sportsnet 360 is what we get the viewership for because the the it does air on the Fox affiliates here in Canada, but that is not figured in. So on a week like Friday, where Sportsnet 360 is the only place to watch it, you are going to get a bit of a bump. That said, looking at you know past years, they've never gotten a boost like this. Like they were up significantly from the past week. So to me, it's not just the Fox factor. It was you know just noticeable. Like it was so high this week. Like this was almost as high as um, the the weekend of WrestleMania, like that was the highest SmackDown of the year in Canada. So a very strong number for the show uh, up here in this country. Rampage on Friday did 378,000 viewers and a point one two in the key demo. So SmackDown was fifth for the night among cable and Rampage was 27th. They were down 21% this week in viewers down 9% in 18 to 49 but where they really lost their audience was uh, 35 to 49 and 50 plus. Both were down about 29% from last week. So that was the audience that were hurt the most. But in looking at a year ago, when the from last year's World Series, there were two weeks where Rampage and SmackDown uh, were on cable, uh, where SmackDown was on FS1. And it was just interesting to go back a year and see that these shows were competitive in 18 to 49. They uh, Rampage uh, beat SmackDown one of those weeks in males 18 to 49 and beat SmackDown both weeks in 18 to 34. This week, um, like it just one year later, uh, way far apart from where they were a year ago, like that 18 to 34 audience for Rampage like this um, Friday, SmackDown does a point two zero in 18 to 34. Rampage did a point zero eight. Rampage beat SmackDown both times last year on FS1. So that kind of tells you where Rampage's uh, 18 to 34 audience has fallen and men 18 to 49. I mean, nowhere close to what SmackDown did. So just looking, you know, year to year. SmackDown is at the disadvantage being on the different network for one week. So it does kind of uh, shine a bit of a light on, you know, Rampage and where their audience has, has dropped just from a year ago where it was very competitive with a SmackDown that was airing on uh, FS1. I mean, if you remember, that was one of those Fridays last year was where they had the the 30 minute head to head battle between Rampage and SmackDown. That was a really big um, battle that they had set up bet between the two shows. So um yeah, not not a not a very good number for Rampage. It was going against the World Series, which did eleven and a half million viewers 
And that's going to affect Wednesday as well. The World Series got delayed tonight due to uh, a rain delay. So now the game got postponed till Tuesday. And the games of all the schedule has been adjusted. So Wednesday, it goes against Dynamite. But Friday now, there is no game. So SmackDown and Rampage will avoid the World Series. And the latest the World Series will go is Sunday if it goes to a seventh game. So after Wednesday, uh, wrestling will be in the clear from Major League Baseball. Are you um, do you think the Astros are going to pull it out? Do you think the Phillies are leading towards a World Series victory way? Um, are they going to avenge the uh, the nightmare of 1993 some 29 years later? I don't care. Okay. So, I don't know. That is your World Series analysis from waiting as we uh, continue on here. Uh, over the weekend, one of the biggest news items actually came out of Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, during their card on Sunday, uh, a promo aired where the great Muda, was announced for the Budokan Hall show that Noah will run on January the 1st, and his opponent is going to be Shinsuke Nakamura in his first match in Noah since 2013. And Tokyo Sports had additional information on how this whole deal came together. And from the Tokyo Sports article, um, Noah had Nakamura listed as someone they wanted to bring in immediately after Muto made the decision to go on this retirement tour. Initially, terms could not be reached, but Noah was persistent with WWE after Vince McMahon resigned as chairman and CEO. The agreement was finalized on October 26th, so last Wednesday. Nakamura told Tokyo Sports that people in WWE were behind him in terms of wanting this to come to fruition. He joked that this is the forbidden door. And Nakamura was quoted as stating there were people. Oh, yeah. OK. So anyway, that was just the, the, the quote itself from Nakamura. So a very big match for Noah to be able to put together. And it feels like uh, Keiji Muto has been the key to Noah having um, open door policy with all these different companies. I mean, they're going to be working with WWE on this show. And then three weeks later with AEW, when Muto teams up with uh, Sting uh, prior to Muto's retirement in February at the Tokyo Dome. So um, were you surprised by this news way? And uh, what's what's kind of your interest level in uh, a Great Muda Shinsuke Nakamura match in 2023. I think it's pretty high. You know, if anything, for me, it's more so the novelty of seeing Shinsuke Nakamura, a WWE contracted star, wrestling in Japan again. Um, will we see a different style for a Shinsuke Nak- Nakamura match? Um, you know, obviously he'll be wrestling against somebody who's a bit more limited, but nonetheless, uh, the reception that he's going to be receiving in Japan, I think, will be huge, and it. It's also, of course, really interesting, you know, to think about what sort of new philosophy about working with other companies this new regime has compared to the last. Would this have something, you know, been possible uh, under Vince McMahon? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But um, uh, the report, I believe, indicated that they they were a lot more willing to discuss, you know, with the, with the regime change. So um, will we see things like this in the future? A lot of this tells you about, I think the great reverence, you know, so much of um, wrestling promoters uh, on either side of the world have for KG Muto. Um, if it was a lesser figure, would it be possible? You know, uh, does this open the door for other working relationships? I, I'm very curious to see. Well, there is a precedent from a few years ago when uh, when Naomichi Marafuji had his 20th anniversary show. Um, WWE did allow Kenta to go back there um, to do a singles match with him and even lose on the show. So that was 2018. So, I mean, it's 
it's not as though this is completely um, a, a different tack that they took, but this is this is certainly a bigger deal um, than that. And you know, and you know, from from the sound of this report, this was not as simple as Noah just making the request to WWE and they made the like it sounds like this has been going on for a long time for them to be able to finalize this because you know it's funny because as close-minded as they were for so many years like back in the 90s like you could do something like this and it's such a small amount that would be seeking out these tapes or, or stuff like that if you sent someone over to do an all japan show or something like that now it's you know this is very accessible this is going to add so much intrigue to wrestle universe for for that period of time and you, you know you couple it with the fact that uh St- sting's doing the show in january as well like that there's going to be a lot of attention on, on noah throughout this uh, remainder of the mudo retirement I almost wonder if this is something where perhaps WWE ends up putting Muto in their Hall of Fame next year. If this is a sign of them doing something like that, that would be to me a uh, a consideration on on their part to, to sort of utilize Muto if they if they sense value in in putting him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, you can argue what what value did putting Fujinami in their Hall of Fame present? You know, or or, or really Anoki? I mean, it's not like it's it's necessarily bringing any any new eyeballs or or you know uh, increasing attendance for that particular gate. There's a part of me that that recognizes that maybe they they still they they want some international flavor perhaps for their Hall of Fame ceremonies. And I think you know the Great Muda slash KG Muda would be really an ideal candidate. They have uh, he's a guy with you know a pretty relatively big presence you know in, in North America. They own a ton of his footage. And I'm sure he'd love to, you know, have that big send off on this side of the world as well. Do you see Keiji Muto doing a moonsault before he retires? <laughs> he teased yes. it on Sunday show. And I was like, dude, his knees are so <laughs> wrecked. Like it is like his his surgeon has like told him, like, dude, do not do not undo all that we have done for these knees. And the fact that he teased it in this match, it d- didn't deliver it. He was stopped by Makabe. But just the fact he's teasing it and he's going to be doing the dome before this ends. It's like, my God, this guy is that's got to be. Didn't you see the end of the wrestler, John? You know, Jesus. come on. If he's going to go out, he'll go out with a big splash off the top rope. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's the that's the latest with uh, with KG Muto. Big announcement for 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 mm-hmm. Noah uh, to have a lot of buzz uh, attached to that. This coming weekend, uh, so we'll have Crown Jewel on Saturday, the same day as Battle Autumn in Osaka. And we now have the full card for Saturday's show uh, from New Japan. It's headlined by Will Ospreay and Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship. FTR is going over to Japan to defend the IWGP tag titles against Jeff Cobb and the Great Okan. Kazuchika Okada will team with Tamatonga against Jay White and Kenta. Um, then we will get a tag team match where... Uh, Pairs will be determined randomly involving Taiji Shimori, El Desperado, Master Wato, and Hiromu Takahashi. So these four are having a four-way match at uh, on January 4th. So we're going to get a tag match out of these four. Um, this is an idea. They're having a – like they've already got the, the, the Wrestle Kingdom match set. Yeah, they've already the announced match, right? this for January the 4th. Wow, okay. Um, all right. Evil against uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Ren Narita against Sonata are the semifinal matches for the TV championship tournament, 
which I think has to come down to Ren Narita and Zack Sabre Jr. in the final. You get both of the opponents from Shibata's exhibition matches in in that match at the Tokyo Dome. And I would think it would only make sense that Shibata is somehow involved in this, maybe presents the title to the winner, maybe attacks the winner. And this is going to be Shibata trying to win this uh, 15 minute. They'll, they'll let Shibata go for 15 minutes. Uh, and that's that's his time limit to do pro wrestling matches in in the new year. You know what on live TV, I suppose maybe he could get away with it. But the main event, it is now official. Hikuleo will be taking on Yujiro Takahashi. Yujiro is taking the spot of never openweight champion Carl Anderson, who not only is not making this booking, he is not being stripped of the championship. So they are, uh, maybe this Nakamura news has given New Japan uh, cynics more optimism that maybe Carl will be allowed to go back to deliver the much anticipated Carl Anderson Hikuleo showdown. Uh, we just have to wait for it. Oh, they're, they're, you know, WWE is clearly in a, you know, friendly mood with other promotions lately. Um, but they're really, you can have Shintake Nakamura in Japan, but we're going to hold on to Carl Anderson. We're at least going to save him for the big one. So I, I mean, the fact that they haven't stripped him, I think it kind of clearly indicates that they intend on <laughs> having that elusive Carl Anderson never open weight title defense at some point, um, in the future. And, uh, maybe at this point it'll be Wrestle Kingdom, you know, on the biggest stage of the world. Which, which Wrestle Kingdom? What number? We got 17 coming up next year. What do you think? Wrestle Kingdom 18? Oh, you're, you're saying he'll hold on to this <laughs> for, for years? <laughs> I said I'd drop it at Wrestle Kingdom. Hey, I man, never it, said this Wrestle Kingdom. I, I don't even think it's a guarantee that he's going to lose. Maybe he'll hold on to the belt and then he'll just be that, you know, like <laughs> they'll just they'll just be that card. They can, he'll be their Brock Lesnar that they'll call upon, you know, four times a year. The The Eternal. Never open weight champion Carl Anderson. And then uh, the card rounds out with Aussie Open, Aaron Hanare, and Gideon Gray taking on Alex Zane, David Finley, Toriano, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And the opener sees TJP and Francesco Akira defending the junior heavyweight tag titles against Teton and Bushi. It actually looks like a very good card that New Japan has. It's just amazing how much attention uh, Hikuleo and Carl Anderson has had uh, attached to this match and this is what they are delivering you. Like this is when, you know, you order something on Amazon and then it comes and this is like, this is not what I ordered. And you give a one star review for, which this match might generate. Hey, I'll be paying attention. You know, the world will be paying attention to this, this Hikuleo match Uh, over the weekend. Did you see uh, Jake Paul defeat Anderson Silva? I was following along with the results and I did see uh, some highlights on Twitter. Yes. Jake Paul is now the lineal greatest middleweight in UFC history. I mean, he was probably already anyway. Um, yeah, no, I, he, you know what? Um, from what I could tell, he looked pretty good. And he knocked the- down Anderson in the last round. I mean, there was, uh, unless you're just out to lunch, like Jake Paul won this fight. It's like, the, it's a pretty consensus view of, um, you know, that he won this fight. He has made, you know, improvements that he is more than um, capable of fighting a certain tier of boxers. And Anderson Silva, to me, Anderson Silva was not a joke. Like, all of the focus now is on his age after the fight. That was not the attention going, or the focus going into the fight, where this was the the toughest test for Jake Paul. So he won um, on all three judges' scorecards, and... (laughs) Afterwards, is throwing out uh, Canelo he wants to fight, which <laughs> would just be something, or Nate Diaz, which uh, uh, Tommy Fury is another name that, that is out there as well. But I, I think this was a very 
good weekend for the Jake Paul experiment. Now, all that said, the, the live gate was very good. They they drew this was something like the second highest gate for a combat sports event in the history of this building behind a UFC event from a few years ago. But the pay-per-view number is going to tell the tale on this one. I'm very interested to see what the pay-per-view number ends up being. And, and if Showtime releases the number, I think that, you know, the, as much as Jake Paul has been associated as this, uh, this trendsetter in boxing, I mean, his, those Tyron Woodley fights, you know, it was, especially the second one apparently did not do so well. So we will see Anderson Silva was a step up in terms of notoriety. We'll see if people actually bought this thing. I think a Nate Diaz match would really change things as well. I mean, I was certainly more interested in the outcome of this one than maybe even the second Tyron Woodley fight. Um, and if it was a Nate Diaz match, I, I think it's, it's almost like the perfect opponent for really both of them and, and their careers and to make money at, at the very least. Uh, at, at this stage, like, you know, it seems like Jake Paul has gained a good deal of, um, credibility attached to his name. Who would you pick in a Nate Diaz Jake Paul fight? I think Jake Paul would, um, not have too much trouble with Nate Diaz in a boxing fight. I, I just um, like I, I think that the the buildup would be tremendous for that fight. What you didn't have for this Anderson Silva fight was any any sort of hype in that direction. Like they were so respectful to one another. I think that the buildup for this fight would be what everyone would be jonesing for. But in, in like Nate Diaz has not done any boxing fights before. He's a very good striker in MMA. Uh, I think he would be. Um, no, nowhere near where even Jake Paul is right right now. I would I would certainly feel like a comfortable favorite. Uh, Jake Paul would be against Nate Diaz. That the whole paragraph you just said would have been unfathomable <laughs> like five years ago. You know. <laughs> well, and he's doing it without uh w- without um metal in his hands as well. I mean, he's doing this naturally. True. I know no bionic, bionic hands that we know of. So, um. You know, does this reinvigorate the experiment, you think, or does it come down to who his opponent is next? Well, I'll, th- I'll throw out this one as well, because he was part of the, bro- the Showtime broadcast on, on Saturday, and that is one George St. Pierre, who revealed in an interview with MMA Fighting that he is finally free of his contract with the UFC. If you remember, he, he had his last fight five years ago against Michael Bisping and then retired in February of 2019, but it was... It was around a year, a year and a half ago when he was being asked about the idea of doing the boxing fight with Oscar De La Hoya. And he he was not he was still technically under contract. Like that's how onerous these contracts are by UFC of the amount of control they have over fighters for years uh, in the case of George St. Pierre. And he could not take the fight, a boxing fight, mind you, with Oscar De La Hoya. This was not him trying to do MMA. He could not do a boxing fight without going the legal route, which he may have had to have spent countless amounts and years trying to legally get out of that contract. Um, so now he is free. He is completely closing the door on ever fighting in MMA again, but he said he is open to boxing or doing a grappling uh, match um, if the right circumstances are there. And George St. Pierre would certainly line up as this kind of, um, you know, if he is interested in it, like to me, Jake Paul goes from an Anderson Silva to like, you don't get a Nate Diaz. Um, George St. Pierre is not the worst option um, to have for this ongoing Jake Paul versus MMA story that, really angered a lot of MMA fans over the weekend. Like there was some anger coming out of this that, you know, Jake Paul has beaten this, this legendary figure. And you would, you would extend that with a George St. Pierre. What were they upset about? 
Yeah, just the idea that um, you know Jake Paul is you know be- beating beating their guys. Okay. Would, okay. would you want to see Jake Paul and George St. Pierre way? Sure. Why not? Is there anyone you would not? What? Want to what? See? Like what? What? You know what? What do I lose from having that match take place in the universe? What would you buy this fight? That's the question. Would I buy it? Um, well, I don't know about that. Would you go to but a bar? Would you get your doesn't offend me at a, at a bar to to watch this? Uh, I mean, it, you know, if I like the people that I that asked me to go, then sure. <laughs> Why not? Well, it's then maybe it's a possibility. We'll we'll see. But uh, there there you have it. That's our that's our that's our boxing takeaways uh, from the weekend. So anyway, um, just the lineups we have some updates. So NXT on Tuesday night, we're gonna have a schism sit down interview. So Ava Rain is going to share her connection to the schism. Uh, Braun Breaker is on the show. R-Truth against Grayson Waller. Thea Hale against Kiana James. The return of Odyssey Jones, who's been out for months. And Mandy Rose's one-year celebration as NXT Women's Champion. Uh, And this will be going against the World Series. So we will see if there is a schism when it comes to the viewership patterns on Tuesday night for NXT. Wednesday for Dynamite. They are now up to four title matches on this show on Wednesday. So we have Jericho against a former ROH champion for the ROH title. Samoa Joe against Brian Cage has been added for the ROH TV title. Orange Cassidy, Luchasaurus, and Ray Phoenix for the All-Atlantic Championship. Jade Cargill defends the TBS title against Marina Shafir, a title eliminator between John Moxley and Lee Moriarty. Jay Lethal against Darby Allen. Renee interviewing Soraya and Dr. Britt Baker. And the Daddy Ad fingerless birthday bash mm-hmm. yeah we'll find out what Swerve actually did with those pliers um, but you know Rampage now is battle of the belt Every Dynamite episode. oh sorry Dynamite yes yes yeah um, no I, whatever it's cool yeah Brian Cage versus Samoa Joe sounds like a good match yeah, this is a lot of stuff they have loaded up for for Wednesday show so mm-hmm. um, we will see who the mystery man is for Chris Jericho I, I think uh, our caller, Brian, from Rewind to SmackDown, I, I think that was the best idea. Who did he suggest? Colt Cabana. Oh, yes. Great idea. We'll see who it is on Wednesday. All right. There you go. That's all your news. Postwrestling.com for all of the latest. On Saturday, November 19th, Post Wrestling turns five years old. Hey, guys. My name is Danilo. Uh, I think from Naples, Italy. And I listened to you, I think, for more than 10 years, 12 years, since the new project of post-wrestling started. It's been amazing. I listen to you uh, basically every day. Uh, you were an instrumental in uh, my English language um, development. And it was a life changer from many, many aspects. So thank you very much for all the work that you do, all the entertainment that you provide. And uh, let's say in four or five more. Leave your memories at memo.fm slash post wrestling and join us Saturday, November 19th at QXT's nightclub in Newark, New Jersey for our five year anniversary show presented by our friends at Real Digital. A live Q&A, the post origin story, VIP meet and greet and event t-shirt with the largest gathering of the post community ever. Tickets available now at postwrestling.com slash live. 
We'll now get into Raw from Monday night. The American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas, playing host uh, to Raw, which got the benefit of avoiding the World Series on Monday night and just had to go against Monday night football and trick-or-treating. That was their opposition. So starting things off, Bianca Belair taking on the the renewed Nikki Cross, who is right back to her sanity character, um, just made, made the, uh, the full leap. And so the match begins... Uh, she goes after Bianca's knee, and then a sleeper hold is applied where Belair drops her on the floor, breaking it. Damage control is out, and Bailey uh, posts Belair. Cross then attacks Bailey, and she goes after Sky and Kai, and she rolls into the ring into a KOD, and Bianca Belair pins her in nine and a half minutes. So Nikki Cross was um, just kind of uh, outsmarted here by herself. Like she, uh, she attacked the women who were helping her and then rolled into her doom uh, via the KOD. I'm guessing it was it was done to maybe show the numbers advantage once more. Um, so she came in last week attacking everybody, baby faces and heels. And she essentially did the same this week as well, although ended up, you know, maybe more favoring the baby face side. It was a, a bit surprising to me that this match was happening so early into this run for her because um, we haven't even had a chance to hear Nikki Cross speak about her character change before this match. So um, um, maybe that's the character. Maybe she doesn't speak. She's just supposed to be rabid, you know, like, like her, I guess her old character kind of was. Um, I, yeah. Uh, it seems to me just like another person they might be adding to the war games team. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. It was um, not the biggest follow-up with, with Nikki cross on this show. Damage control ran in. They attacked Bel Air, and that prompted the return of Asuka and Alexa Bliss. They helped Bel Air clear the ring, and Bliss hit a somersault off the edge to the three. And we would get much more with Alexa Bliss and Asuka on the show later to come. Afterwards, um, the three were in the back, and Bel Air notes how Bailey has pinned her twice, but only one of them is walking out uh, Saturday from Crown Jewel, and she's not going to be alone this Saturday, indicating that uh, Bliss and Asuka will be with her in uh, Saudi Arabia. And Bliss says they're settling their issues tonight, and they issue a challenge to Dakota Kai and EO Sky for the tag titles later tonight. And that would be our main event. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a match that um, you know it, it was not promoted ahead of time. They made it at, at, at the beginning of the show, so um, we'll see. We'll see how how the ratings reflect it. How about the rankings? How how did they just uh, leapfrog and uh, get this title shot? I guess this is the benefit of a tag division that has two teams in it. Did they um, did they beat them in some other way? I mean, I don't think it really matters. They asked for it, and they that's all that matters. We were supposed to have a split screen interview segment with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, but Lashley is there. Lesnar is not. Lashley says he exposed Lesnar. He's going to expose him again on Saturday. He's a Bobby Lashley wannabe. And Lesnar enters the arena and says, I didn't come to Dallas for a sit down interview. I came here to fight. So Lesnar reveals his Megadeth shirt. And out comes Lashley. They get into a big brawl and they're separated by um, this was like watching Where's Waldo. We saw Von Wagner. Duke Hudson was out here. And then Paul Levesque comes out and threatens to call off the match if the two touch each other. And they did. Um, Didn't they? By the end of the segment, Hunter was like, this fight is off. He said if they touch, it's off. 
Oh, okay. So he it was a warning. It was a warning. Yes. So the match okay. is off. I mean, if if you didn't want to get on that, do that huge flight to Saudi Arabia, I'd be like, all right, just just punch the guy, and they'd be, uh, losing, a, they'd be losing big paydays. Saudi Arabian paydays. Yeah, I guess so. Well, Lesnar, um, this is a great gig if you can get it. I mean, he shows up here, he does his uh, his five minute brawl with Lashley. And I was going to make a ton of money to go over to Saudi Arabia. So that's uh, that that's his week. That that's a very profitable week for Brock Lesnar. Very quick quick night of work here in Dallas. Long flight. But yeah. Austin Theory against Seth Rollins. Um Seth just worked as the babyface in this match and I thought he was tremendous. Um the crowd is humming along with his theme throughout the match. Um Theory takes over before the break, but then Rollins comes back, suicide dive, Falcon Arrow, and then the springboard knee uh lands as well as a super kick. They go back and forth with strikes, and then a fisherman buster is landed by Theory, a rolling blockbuster, and goes uh he nearly catches him with the A-Town down, Rollins blocks, and then after several strikes, Theory goes for the pedigree, it's blocked, and then Rollins hits the stomp and pins Theory in 14 minutes and 40 seconds. I thought a very good match that these two had, one of the better Austin Theory matches, and I really enjoyed watching Rollins play the babyface in in this match. I thought the crowd was with him, and uh, he had a very nice match here, and the Money in the Bank winner loses again. I felt the exact same way. You know, one of the better matches uh, from theory in recent memory. And it was almost a bit staggering how mm, how how much of a baby face Rollins played here. I mean, he always is kind of teetering towards that direction anyway. But this was one where he was really flat out, straight up baby face. And this crowd is very willing to accept him as that. So I wonder if this one sticks or if it was just a one week thing considering the opponent. And they never announced Rollins for anything for Crown Jewel, right? Don't think so. No, like they had been teasing the Ali stuff, but no announcement, at least on on Monday. Uh, they do announce that Bray Wyatt will be going to Crown Jewel to talk. He's going to talk on Saturday. Reigns and Heyman come out, and Kevin Patrick brings up Jake Paul's win against Anderson Silva as evidence of what the Pauls can do. And Reigns and Heyman stand in the ring, and the Usi chant begins in Dallas. He says that Sammy and Jay are out working on becoming more Usi. And this is merchandise that is just waiting to just fly off the shelves for this company. They need to have a very Usi shirt yesterday. Oh, mugs, slippers, fanny packs, coffee, coolies, um... Anything you could put that word on. Yes. They should do uh, it. Heyman brings up the steel screws in Logan Paul's hand and that he's been training with Shawn Michaels. Reigns cannot stand an outsider, Heyman notes. And then the Miz interrupts, explaining how he knows Logan Paul better than anyone. And his right hand is real. Just ask Jay. And he says, if you can help me with Dexter, I'll help you neutralize Logan Paul. And Reigns asks, why does everyone keep asking about me getting knocked out? And with that, he decks Miz with a Superman punch and says, when they should be talking about me knocking Logan Paul out. And with Miz's cracked jaw on the, on the mat, Roman Reigns exited the ring. And that is how the bloodline was represented on Monday night. I thought it was a strong segment. You know, um, put over that bionic hand of Logan Paul's. I thought Miz was used well here as well. You know, he he was able to, I guess, add some sort of um, 
confirmation about the the bionic hand because he's been around Logan Paul. I thought they did a good job of intersecting the two storylines together, and both I thought were very good. You know, this ended up being, I think, a decent bit of promo for that Crown Jewel match. After the break, Miz is icing his jaw. And Kathy Kelly says that Johnny Gargano sat down with Byron Saxton earlier for a tell-all interview that's going to air tonight. Miz is trying to get out of his match with Mustafa Ali, and Miz calls it gotcha journalism that Byron Saxton is being accused of. And no story should run until it's verified by multiple sources. And he threatens a defamation lawsuit if this interview airs tonight. And Ali enters... And he says, everything is bigger in Texas. But he looks down at Miz's balls and says, well, not everything. And if you didn't get the subtlety of his line, he then said that the Miz, you have tiny balls. And Miz gets so angry at this insult that he says he will beat Ali tonight with a broken jaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um... High art. <laughs> Um, you know, I actually think the Miz does a really good job of whatever they're telling him to do. Man, Ali, though, I don't know if he feels as the most comfortable, you know, saying lines like this. Miz, you've got tiny balls. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, quite the line. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you. Well, thank you. Damian Priest and Carl Anderson. Non-title match. Uh, Anderson decked Dominic on the floor, and then Priest lays him out with a kick. They go through the commercial. Uh, rec- the reckoning ends up getting countered when Carl catches him with a backslide and wins in seven minutes and 18 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um I suppose Anderson, uh, you know, he's building up to that Wrestle Kingdom match and, you know, they need to book him strong. Um, and I also guess they, they needed to give him something after that Balor loss. I mean, a win over Damian Priest is, is, I don't think it's that, um, you know, um, to expected, I should say. Um, so they've been very protective of the judgment day. Like, yeah, they're not just yeah. trading wins with, with everybody. But overall, I found the match like pretty generic, you know, without much interest from this audience. And uh, it just felt like a pretty typical match on Raw. So the Judgment Day attack, Styles and Gallows get involved. And then Ripley hits Gallows in the in the Gallows pole. And uh, he stands up to uh, Carl Anderson and Styles or sorry, Rhea does. And then Balor and Priest attack. There's a razor's edge on AJ, coup de grace on Anderson. And then Dominic gets to the top doing all the Eddie Guerrero mannerisms before hitting the frog splash to AJ. And they stand tall as Graves says they need an answer for Rhea Ripley. So I thought they had their plan last week about an answer for Rhea Ripley, which was not revealed tonight. So maybe they will have an answer for her this Saturday. Yeah. Like, are they bringing somebody in? 
I don't know, but wouldn't you have wanted this uh, if if they had had their answer for Rhea Ripley, they might have avoided this this beatdown. Maybe they're procrastinators. Maybe they've got a short list. They haven't narrowed it down to one specific answer for Rhea Ripley. Maybe they have Hmm. a few options on the table. They're they're still interviewing. Could be. MVP and Omos. MVP cuts a promo. Um, He's going to SmackDown on Friday to uh, to chat with Braun, and he's got a big surprise. The surprise is telling Rey Mysterio that this is how easy it is to go from one show to the next. You know, I really thought they would have explained um, that the Judgment Day can't go over to SmackDown and therefore Ray can't go over to Raw. But, uh, I, you know, you got to get a special written pass, I suppose. And <laughs> Maybe the Judgment Day, they have plans on Friday. Maybe they go out. Maybe they, it's like, we're not going all the way to, to wrestling on Friday. We, we work Mondays. Friday night's a bad night. It's a busy night. Dominic's young. He's probably going out on Fridays. I'm not giving up my weekend to go travel to St. Louis or somewhere. Well, it was a tape show, so maybe he already had plans, like like Halloween, you know, theme plans. He, he yeah. was at he was at the, the F one race on the weekend. That's that's what right. Doing. That's right. Giving a tremendous good luck to uh, Nicholas Latifi and uh, Esteban Ocon. Which yeah. uh, uh, was it Latifi and, and Ocon? Wasn't. Or uh, Albin. Right. It, right? uh, it, it, it was Albin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't think so. they did too hot. No, they didn't. I was going to give Ocon because he, he actually finished like eighth or something. So, yeah, he he did do well. But that wasn't on Dominic's and Finn Balor's account. So, yeah, maybe they were they were just bit. They'll get around to SmackDown at some point. Yeah. JBL comes out and he is home here in Texas. And he runs through all these famous Texans, the history of the state, mentions the Von Erics and Steve Austin, all these greats, until you snowflakes came along and ruined it. So now it's it's the Gen Zers that have turned Texas into an embarrassment. Yes, because if ever there's a state that I think of as <laughs> heavily woke and uh, snowflakes, it's Texas. I mean, it certainly worked on this crowd because no, none of these people liked being called woke. No, they did not appreciate this. Uh, JBL equates Halloween to a holiday where you teach your kids to go door to door begging for food. None of you should be allowed mm-hmm. to call yourselves a Texan. Stand up on your snowflake legs and put your woke hands together for the man that's going to save the business. Baron Corbin. And then Corbin came out and just did this long promo about people saving their their last remaining dollars to pay for a ticket to come see him. They're interrupted by R-Truth, who comes out dressed like a cowboy with a stuffed horse. And he says, JBL and Corbin, I like your costumes. They're not wearing costumes. JBL's out of touch. It ends with R-Truth taking the end of days. And I was waiting for the end of segment. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is leading to our truth versus Baron Corbin. Um, this was supposed to make you say to yourself, man, our truth, where can I see more of him? What? He's on NXT tomorrow night against Grayson Waller. I can see him tomorrow night too. Yeah. I think I'll be watching baseball instead. Um, you know, last week they had our truth interrupt a segment with the Miz and I, I, I thought at least, you know, somewhat clever, and then they just gave you the match afterwards, and it was fine. This week, it almost feels like they're going to make us wait for this. You know, <laughs> we got to anticipate this Baron Corbin R Truth match. So um, we have that to look forward to. Uh, 
Yes, they're bearing with us. Damage control is in the back. They're hanging out with Nikki Cross. I don't know what they're talking about because Nikki Cross just attacked them in the match and we didn't get much follow-up to this. But they were insinuating some kind of alliance here. I guess okay. cooler, cooler heads have prevailed. Right. So she's on the on the heel side then, I guess. Yeah, but she wasn't with them in the match earlier. Yeah. I don't know, dude. <laughs> well, maybe a trick or street fight will uh will raise your Maybe interest. maybe her gimmick is that okay, maybe we'll have her in the war games on the heel side, but then she'll just start attacking everybody. And you don't know who she's working for. So so you know, that means like the heels can get the man or the baby faces can get the the woman advantage. And mm-hmm. it won't matter cuz Nikki Cross will just attack everybody. She's on her own. She's with the one warrior nation. Sure. Yeah. Matt Riddle versus Otis. So Riddle came out with Elias and Riddle was dressed up as Ezekiel. Gable comes out and he has to, it's never good when you have to explain your Halloween costume. He explains that he is, uh, he is playing Patrick Swayze from the, from the SNL Chippendale sketch with Otis playing Chris Farley. Um, that sketch was like over 30 years ago, I believe. Nobody in this arena reacted to this at all. And the announcers had to pretty much acknowledge that this costume really did not land. This, this was not a timely reference no. that they might, they must have thought, man, we've got Otis here to play Farley. Gable can be a convincing Swayze. I mean, this was just a generational miss uh, of a costume idea. It certainly was. I mean, I would consider my SNL knowledge to be like, you know, pretty decent, if not like, you know, above average. And and so like, yeah, I I recognize this the sketch, but like it it still took me a second. Like I was like, did he mention like Dirty Dancing? Was this something out of Dirty Dancing? And then um, it was just like I don't even think it's like if it was like I think the cowbell like Walton sketch is probably something you could you could have gotten away with. Um, I don't know, maybe even like um. Wayne's World, obviously, you know, but like Justin Timberlake, mm, like Diggin' Box, you mean? I think people would get that. Even, yeah, people even like all that. these references, even these ones sound like fairly old. We're we're talking about like Dick in a Box, and that's like ten years old. But this man, like, this this is like three times that. Like Chris Farley, Chippendales. I I don't know. You're playing to a very select audience and a very select demo. So, hmm. so they're out and. We get the match. Gable tells him for one night only he can do the worm. So he hits it on Riddle. Otis runs into a chair in the corner. We get the the candy corn kendo stick. Otis bomb misses. So the big spot in every one of these matches is the 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 dork gets the pumpkin on his head. So Elias places a pumpkin onto Otis's head. And then Riddle was to hit him with an RKO. The pumpkin fell off his head before he took the bump for the RKO. But that ended the match. Riddle wins in 739. Ever try RKOing a man with a pumpkin on his head? I mean, come on. A few um, not once. Easy. Once. Just once? Yeah. Yeah, not easy to pull off. But it was it was very amusing seeing this image of a... Otis, shirtless, <laughs> yeah. in um, Chippendale's outfit with a pumpkin on it. Cesaro had to do this once. Uh, this is uh, this is a rite of passage. This is like that uh, that turkey suit in TNA. I think this should be his new gimmick. He should come out like this, you know, come just out a to a cra- crash test dummies. Yes, yes. 
Damage Control cut a promo. They're going to embarrass Oscar and Bliss. Bailey says, we won't be overlooked anymore in our careers. We're taking control of this division, and we will be the last women standing this time next week. The Miz and Mustafa Ali. The most impressive thing in this match was Miz having to sell that his jaw was broken. And I thought he did a good convincing job that his, his jaw was all messed up here. Um, at one point, he rips off his shirt and runs Ali face first into the turnbuckle. Ali comes back with a satellite DDT, high cross to the floor. And then Miz sends him into the desk when Loomis appears and security chases off Dexter Loomis, including this one security dude who leaps over the barricade this was the most impressive thing on this show and i was like who is that guy i don't know if this guy was an extra or or if he was like somebody from a a, you know a wrestling school but like i bet this guy got yelled at for over overshadowing i mean he was the the other athletes in this because this was the most impressive thing in this match physically he he wanted to get called back he wanted to get noticed he was going to take every opportunity to show his shit and he showed that vertical leap to the point where a wrestling podcast is talking about it. So um, bravo to this guy. He made the most out of it. Yeah, for sure. So then uh, this leads to Ali landing a super kick and a 450 to win the match in 10.03. So he fought a guy with a broken jaw. He needed help from Dexter Loomis, and then he was able to beat the Miz. So uh, just uh, baby face on fire here, Mustafa Ali. So he gets the win, and we'll see if, this match gets added to Crown Jewel because they've been building up Rollins and Ali, but maybe they will just save that for television. I certainly don't feel like it's all that hot, um, really, for any sort of significant difference in, in an interest in a PLE or even on TV at this point. I think mm, there's a lot of great talent in Ali, but this just doesn't feel like it's it's a great character for him. Um, technically the match was fine, but obviously it doesn't help that, you know, he really is a background player to everything that's been going on in this tonight with Miz. Yeah. I more so say it just of the, the idea of Rollins you would think would be on, on this show on, on the weekend, but we'll see. Then we had our 60 minute spoof WWE investigates hosted by Byron Saxton with Johnny Gargano. So he gives us the, first of all, I, I was like, Hoping that this was going to be, there's a lot you can work with here to, to make it fun. So Gargano says that Dexter Loomis is trying to earn a living just like everyone else and that Dexter married into his family, but then he lost his job and fell on hard times. Yes, this company fired him and he fell on hard times. That part was not uh, contextualized here. And Miz took advantage of this and Gargano says that when he came back in Toronto, he overheard Loomis speaking with the Miz. So naturally, Gargano recorded this. So this Gargano clearly um, relying on his wrestling with shadows uh, form of just record everything. And in Canada, you can get away with recording somebody without their knowledge. So he overhears Miz, who is paying Dexter Loomis for these staged attacks with Gargano's theory that Miz is a celebrity. He's trying to garner attention. He's an influencer. So he orchestrated all of this, including losing to Bobby Lashley in a steel cage match. Um, Then when he said, well, what about when he beat the hell out of Dexter with a chair? And Gargano says, well, the deal must have fallen apart along the way. I didn't know what this was, but this payoff I thought was just so lame. I think it was their way of trying to retcon a reason for all of these attacks 
happening. Um, it, it just, <laughs> and for that, I kind of give them credit because I think in, in the past in wrestling angles, they would have just dropped it without re- really any sort of like real explanation. But here, I think they at least tried to ask all the questions with Byron saying, well, what about this? If he was, if they were in cahoots, what happened here? Um, so why, why did the Miz and Maurice leave their home and hire Dexter to break into their home? Because they, well, the reason Gargano thinks is because he he really likes having a celebrity stalker. It improves, increases. But then are we to acknowledge that there was a camera crew filming him breaking into this home? That's how we saw it. I mean, there's an, that's the only way we saw this, that Miz would, would concoct such a plan that we would see this. Uh, the camera crew was there to interview the Miz. So nobody reported this. The camera crew, were they in on this? Well, they're, they're witnessing a break in with children. in so the home. You have to realize the law works very differently here in the WWE, you oh, know? Okay. Um, you kind of take your matters into your own hands in the WWE. Are these like just union guys? They're like, hey, this is off. We're, we're off the clock. We're, whatever happens to these kids. I mean, it's well, this I don't crazy. Know. This guy, I'm not Dexter sure about Lewis. That. Anyway, this to me was way too. Uh, we've watched this for like two, three months now. Mm-hmm. This yeah. guy torturing this guy. And now the 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 dark secret was Miz staged this. Ooh, what a what a harmful secret that is now out uh, I'm this is what was going to get him canceled that gargano threatened this is what miz <laughs> is going to sue over that he who so, cares who so, who would be the injured party in all of this who would be like upset with the miz like did he work maurice this whole time about this like what who is even the victim in all of this like i i okay yeah it could be that listen um I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that this was not what they had planned, um, when this all began. Um, and well, maybe they should have had an end point when they start a story. This is what we're working towards. This is the end goal. I mean, I think this is what you get when you bring back the guy who kidnaps people. His one function is to kidnap and you can't really do much more with him with Dexter Loomis than that. So, but, um, but now the story is he's broke because this yeah. company fired him. And he yeah. doesn't have a job here anymore. So if anything, it's the it's the company that are the heels in this thing. They they've ruined this man's life, and now they are profiting off of him on their television every week, and they don't pay him. Right. Um. Well, he wasn't that good at his job, so he he was let go for that reason. Okay, yeah, but he's back. But he's only uh, back at I the mean, Miz's expense. Sure. Yeah, the Miz brought him back. So this is like MJF and Wardlow. So Wardlow's not uh, where Wardlow was under contract to MJF and Dexter Loomis yeah. is being paid by the Miz. WWE yeah. doesn't want to hire him. Apparently Hill, he's not, a, he's, he doesn't work here. He's not, that's why they, they dragged him away. He's not supposed to be here. Right. Okay. It all makes sense. Foolproof. So they you set know? up that match where if the Miz lost, this guy would get a contract. Well then, yeah, he would have will have earned his right. I mean, remember, Road Dog made the match. He he probably didn't have jurisdiction, but he said it on air, and I'm guessing they're like, "Oh, we got to deliver what we promised to the to the audience." So now he can ha- earn his job. Okay, 
I think this has added a lot of complications to a program <laughs> I was not enjoying in the least to begin with. But I guess we also we don't even know if this is the real answer. This is just Johnny Gargano's side, side of things, right? You know, we did get that recording from the Miz. Okay, uh, so that, that was pretty. Uh, is that damning evidence, or is there? How a, close or, do you think he got with his phone? I mean, this is like th- th- this almost felt like it, in, in most states this would be Gargano incriminating himself. Right, right. Well, we we don't know the circumstance. You know, he could have just been in the locker room, um, in the bathroom, like taking a dump, and then just heard this conversation. He has every right to record himself taking this a guy's dump, just I guess. just like secretly recording people in the back that didn't work out sure. well for sean, for, uh, sean stasiak uh yeah nor max Payne. um but yeah. this was for for, way for a good that, reason that documentary this was for good reason it, it was for a terrible reason at the end <laughs> he he sat on the it, think about johnny gargano what a shitty friend he he sat on that recording for I, two I months well, he would, they were hope, both hoping the Miz would, you know, they were giving him a chance to explain it himself, right? All these weeks? Yeah. Dude, yeah. Toronto was August. It's okay, almost, well, it's November now. They, Gargano they just sat on this recording. He knew from the very beginning that this was bullshit, and he's just let this play out this whole time. Well, I, I'm, I, I would assume he told Dexter shortly after, hey, buddy, I recorded is saying that so if you ever need this let me know and dexter is probably just like don't you know don't don't tell the world yet johnny we'll try to get him to say it and then he didn't say it so thus you have this this, this is a horrible plan that gargano and loomis hatched it's a really terrible plan so here's the thing i'm just wondering what this do you have an actual? Story I, I have question? so many questions about this as we go deep. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, did, I didn't want to spend five seconds. No, we on should this. have. We should spend the whole show on this. Yeah. So, sure. Miz annihilates Dexter Loomis. Okay. Yeah. So, the plan has fallen apart now. So now Loomis has fallen out of favor with the Miz. So he's not even being paid by the Miz. Mm. He's also not being paid by WWE. So now mm. he now he's in debt. By showing up at all these shows all over the country to continue this. He might be hitching a ride with, with Johnny Gargano and Candice. I, I doubt it because they don't seem like they've had his back throughout any of this. I bet you yeah. he's, you know, holding his thumb out on the highway to try and get to uh, Dallas mm-hmm. on Halloween. This is this is his night and he spent it here at Raw for free. Well, listen, revenge will make a man do crazy things, you know? So... It all makes sense. Um, it's a great story. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what, the, you know, what the, the match that I think it'll lead to, I think will be tremendous. Is this going to be a, do you see another follow-up of WWE investigates in the future? You know what? They should, and they should give it, give it to us from Miz's perspective. Yeah. I would like to see AEW investigates. About CM Punk, the elite, <laughs> anything. <laughs> I mean, really, if this was a series on on the network on Peacock, um, there were there are plenty of stories. WWE in their own investigates. Oh, I, I would love WWE to investigate themselves into all oh, of these, yeah. uh, all of their historical woes. I'm yeah. sure the findings would be very curious. That would, <laughs> that would be interesting. So they run down uh, the crown jewel card. Kevin Patrick refers to Holland as Ridge the Fridge. I'm hoping Mm. that takes off. 
And uh, once again, Bray Wyatt. Hey, what was, happened to the tree trunk? They dropped that. They didn't refer to him as a tree trunk. Maybe they didn't want to confuse people with pumpkins and trees all together in this one right. in this one match. Today's he'll, he'll, Dale. Yeah, I mean it is it is the fall season now, so maybe we will get into the uh, more more of the trees. Maybe he'll become yeah, the Christmas tree by December. All right. Cool. Main event is Dakota Kai and Io Sky against Asuka and Alexa Bliss for the tag titles. Advantage on Asuka. They go through a break. Um, Bliss, it's a code red out of the corner after getting the hot tag and then running double knees by Sky onto Asuka. Asuka gets the Asuka lock on, but the ref is dealing with Bailey on the apron and Kai comes in breaking up the hold. Bel Air then sends Bailey into the timekeeper's area and they end up climbing onto this uh, production uh, stand and it leads to Bailey hitting a Bailey to belly off of this production stand through a table uh, for a big spot that woke up this crowd, which I mean, throughout this show, this Dallas crowd, they, they were trying, but this was a crowd that they came to hum Seth Rollins song and um, WWE investigates. I think, I think just uh, put a silencer on them. Oscar lands a head kick to Kai Kai with the scorpion kick and then over the moonsault by sky lands on her feet. Oscar with the head kick and then bliss hits twisted bliss pinning sky in 1627 new tag team champions, a surprising finish. Um, and uh, to me, it got, it got good at the end when uh, things heated up, especially with uh, Austin there with, with her kicks her and uh, EO sky had uh, some, some good exchanges uh, throughout this at the end. I was surprised at how fast they worked this match. You know, from the get-go, it felt like, I don't know if they were short on time, but they certainly wrestled all this like they, they were, were short not on short time. on time. They came out, there was like 25 minutes left in the show. Right. Well, it was just a very high-paced match, and I would say, you know, uh, um, maybe 90% accuracy. Like, I think still really good and very entertaining and very high in energy. I just wish, though, anytime there are title changes, I wish there was a bit more build towards um, a challenge or, or like story towards just, you know, this, these baby faces really telling me their desire to win these championships. Rather that was than in the first hour in that little backstage skit. Yeah. You know, they show up for the first time, what, in like a month, uh, a month and say they want a title match. And then we get it in the main event and we get the title change in the main event. It doesn't put a lot of weight on the win. It doesn't put a lot of, um, I don't know. Um, it, it doesn't feel like they, they work that hard, you know, to really earn it. And, you know, the, this the, what they've done with the world uh, women's t- tag team titles has been a world of difference, you know, from before when when Triple H was around. But um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say mm, this run felt all that hot, you know, and nor this title change. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we'll see where they're where they're going with with all of this. I guess their their thought is. um yeah, um, I thought I thought like they were going to just run with damage control with uh, for, for a while, but mm-hmm. um, you know maybe maybe this is just going to be a, a short reign. Um, I don't know if you if you read more into it of having the titles on, on baby faces right now, but uh, they what, might have just. What would you read into? I mean, everyone's belief was like you know you put it onto Kai and and Sky, and the hope is that you know it's a it's a setup for Banks and Naomi coming back. So. Um, you know, you put it back on and not to say you can flip them back again. This might have just been, you know, do a title change and they hold them for a short amount of time and they flip them back. It's not like this is a tag division that has any kind of depth attached to it on the, on the main roster. Yeah, but the hope is that you change it, right? You know, and, and what would flipping them back onto Kai and Sky do for these championships? Well, or the division? I, 
this wasn't the most dynamic title reign to begin with. So maybe they just wanted to um, shake things up and do a title change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. Okay. Way, tell me why you loved tonight's edition of Raw. Listen, um, I feel like it was better than the previous two weeks. I feel, I, I mean, I, I kind of flushed these like shows just kind of right out of me, you know, after, after we're done recording here. So I don't even remember, but I, I do recall that the last two weeks were pretty like poor, really poor. And I would say tonight, I think was better than, than either of the two. I think you had at least some good wrestling here. The main event was good. Um, I'm trying to think what else is theory and Rollins. That was it. Yeah. I, I did not think the wrestling was stellar on the, on this show. I thought that, the trick or street fight was okay. It was inoffensive. You know, you got a big table break. You got a Jack O'Lantern spot, which is always great to see. Um, they gave us at least somewhat of a explanation for this Ms. Dexter Loomis thing. I'm not saying oh. it was a great, you know, great writing. Okay. It was almost, it was, it was, it was all, um, it wasn't great. No, but, um, at least they gave you some conclusion or what you feel like might be a conclusion. I, I, I had more questions than answers. This is not a conclusion. Okay, that is true. Um, it wasn't great. It was not a very good addition of Raw. Yeah, I would, um, I would like to use my mana to go into this Raw script and I can remove three segments from the show permanently from the from tonight's library that's what that's what i feel wow. about tonight's raw well i would have uh taken my razor and shaved a bit of stubble off of uh maybe the, the third hour here i i just would have shaved off the whole thing to be honest two hours i, I would have been happy with that <laughs> raw is done uh, so this was their last uh, live show before Crown Jewel. It's a taped smackdown on friday and then Crown Jewel saturday afternoon are you going to watch Crown Jewel I'll watch it definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it to keep up. Um, certainly, I won't be watching at the wedding I'm going to. I'll I'll try to find time afterwards. No, no, do not have your phone out at the, at the wedding. You cannot. You would not be able to defend yourself. They're like, what? What are you watching? Well, yeah. there's this event going on in Saudi Arabia right now from the yeah. WWE right now. Omos is about to take on the monster among men, Braun Strowman. Yeah, don't think I don't think they'll like that. Let's go to uh, Super Chats and feedback to tonight's episode of Raw. Yeah, let's go to some Super Chats here. We got a Jake from the Windy City who says, Happy Halloween with muffins from Mindy's Bakery. Yes. Man, did any – I wonder I, – I, one thing I liked about Raw, I did like all the, the photos they showed of different fans in costumes mm-hmm. throughout the show. I thought that was a cool touch for tonight's show. I would yeah. love if there is a photo of anyone that dressed up as punk at the press conference for Halloween. That would have been a great photo op for – especially if they went the extra extra step and actually got Mindy's muffins. It would be a great photo op um, for an audience – on the internet watching this podcast right now because if you're going Wait, to that's any what sort twitter of, is okay i guess so what, if you're what, going to any did you see room, that tweet uh that davy had of when he requested daniel garcia like that went everywhere oh true that right. is the world that see that's the type of outfit i would put on and never leave the house i would just take a photo put it on twitter because i don't think oh, that's anybody, all you need to do i don't think anybody in the real world would understand whatsoever but i'm sure that's out there uh, okay, what else we got here? Thank you so much, Jake, for the support. We got an MJ from NJ who sends $10 to say, second year ratings fell off a cliff on FS1. 
I use that as an indicator that the value of SmackDown is from being on Fox. Okay. Oh, to indicator that the value of SmackDown is from being on Fox. Concerning for upcoming rights that the audience doesn't travel with the show. Happy fifth. I mean, the fact is on FS1, it was like last year, um, they, they had two episodes on FS1. Uh, the first one did let, let me let me pull these up so I'm right. So while you do that, MJ also sends another five dollars just to add. Uh, I'd like to. I think otherwise, if half the audience traveled, majority doesn't. Do you think this is a valid way to view audience retention? I don't look at these one-offs as anything that that I put too much uh, stock into. Last year, so th- this past Friday, they did eight hundred thirty-five thousand viewers. Last year, the two weeks did eight sixty-six and a million thirty-two. So. Pretty comparable with one of the episodes and down, you know, a decent amount from the second episode last year, which are both obviously going against the World Series. I think if if SmackDown was routinely on FS1 every week, I think there would be a much more stable audience. I don't think they would be moving uh, two million plus viewers to FS1 every Friday night. I also don't think it would be eight hundred thirty five thousand viewers every week if it was a routine that you built into the, the habit that people knew it was at FS1. But this is always in the range. And the fact is, they're going to be right back to their normal number this Friday for a tape show. So, um, I mean, that's, that's what they are focusing on. And it's a show that routinely is the number one network show on, on Friday nights. So that's, that is the value of, of SmackDown. But moving it to one week, I mean, yes, the, the audience goes down significantly, but it's, it's one week and I, I, I just, it, it's something, but I, I don't put um, a huge amount of weight on, on that as some detrimental sign of SmackDown, just, just based on this. As we saw with Raw last year, last week in Canada, you move it to OLN for one week, it, it just totally craters because OLN is such an inferior network here in Canada and guaranteed the number will bounce back uh, th- this week when it's back on Sportsnet 360. So, all right, let's, uh, Go on over to feedback, uh, starting off with Benjamin. The Dexter Loomis and Miz thing ain't doing it for me, though Johnny Wrestling doing a spoof of Dark Side of the Ring in 60 Minutes was watchable. The more I see Uncle Howdy, the less I trust it's going to be any good. I was really hoping Bray Wyatt's return had more to do with the ARG leading up to it, like Mr. Robot or something that was a more expanded dive into online storytelling without more disassociative identifying and multiple personality Gaga characters. The lower quality uh, Primus, uh, when known as Big Brown Beaver costume, ain't doing much for me. These are a lot of references. Uh, anyway, they made me care about Brock and Lashley. Roman's great, just so compelling these days. Even his walkout to the ring was a better promo than most cut with a microphone while he was leaving. I think we're trying to gauge a little too much from you know the quality of a mask on on Friday. Um, I, I I do think you can criticize perhaps the pace of it, and also um, yeah, maybe what what Benjamin said here about all the white rabbit stuff, not mm, not necessarily um, clearly aligning. I think with what we've seen on TV thus far, really, but you know the white rabbit stuff. Uh, I, I just really took it as teasers, you know, drink more oval tea. You know, it's just one, your way of like making sure you're watching the next episode to make sure that you ultimately know that Bray White is coming back. And now you're almost getting something completely different. Um, they, 
they probably didn't intend on those being as big of a success as they did, at least not enough to base around an entire character or identity strictly around the QR codes, for instance. Um, I still think it's relatively early, but now if uh, at Saudi Arabia uh, for Crown Jewel, Bray Wyatt comes out and cuts the exact same promo that he's cut twice now, talking about how grateful he's been, and then all of a sudden just seeing you know uh, a close-up of an Uncle Howdy or a guy in a mask saying you're a liar. I'm coming for you. That would be somewhat disappointing, but it's, it's getting, it's, it's, it might be to the point where the audience is starting to at least a small vocal minority might be, you know, raising some doubts, but I think for the most part, it's still working really well. Yeah. I, I think you do have to reserve uh, judgment. As I said at the beginning is that this character and this run to me is going to be the most analyzed and scrutinized uh, of any character in wrestling because of the, the past iterations of the character and just er- everything attached to it. So I think you do have to take a bit more of a, a longer view approach and, and see where they are going. This is a different vision for the character and. Uh, we will see where it goes. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to maintain the, the same momentum that he has had for, for the buildup to all of this over time. Once he becomes a routinely weekly character, like the, the impact is, is not going to be what it was, but you're not going to be able to sustain that, that level for forever as they had for the buildup to his reveal. Let's go up next to. Saeed, who says this Raw was a lot better than the last two weeks, but definitely had its weaknesses. I was a fan of the Brock Lashley and the Rollins theory match. Again, the Miz Loomis Gargano stuff was the worst of the show. If the Rhea problem solver is being saved for, for Crown Jewel, I feel like it's a mistake, as the reaction will be very tame, if any reaction. It should have happened tonight. Again, a returning slash repackaged star coming back and eating a loss. At least it was with the distraction. Not sure, but feels like it puts them down a peg. I was waiting for them to have Miz do something since he brought Logan in the way in and they did. Roman could have only cut the promo he cut while walking up the ramp and would would have been enough. Spectacular stuff from Roman. I guess it is notable that Bliss came out with the doll. Let's see how long that lasts. Did she come out with the doll? It was in the AR thing, which is always a part of her entrance. I, I don't know if I saw it with her. I also don't know how, how closely she's, she's tied in at this point. Um, do you guys think the advertising of Bray being at Crown Jewel will boost interest in more people tuning in? I think that's the hope. You know, he's 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 proven to be some sort of you know he believes he's the, he's their biggest like mover right now. Um, yeah. You know, I I don't sense the same level of anticipation that he had his first couple of weeks, but obviously they feel it's it's enough to um, put him on on Saturday that. It'll be something meaningful. And and they probably should do something notable on Saturday. Yeah. Like it shouldn't just be like a rehash of a television segment. Like it should be a next step forward. Also question for way. What are your thoughts on the uncle howdy earring matching the one Bo Dallas wears coincidence or where they do something with Bo Dallas. And yeah, pe- people were very uh, keen to point out shortly afterwards that the earring on uncle howdy matches the cross diamond studded earring that Bo Dallas was last seen wearing on WWE television. So I don't think that's a mistake. I think it's, it's, it's very possible. I would even point towards as likely that we're seeing a return of Bo Dallas, perhaps playing this uncle howdy character, um, whom some have stated looks a little like Barry Wyndham, uncle Barry, of course. So maybe that's, that's all, part of the inspiration 
All right, we'll continue on. And uh, the last one, okay, well, these are just responses. Okay, there's all your feedback, everyone. Thanks for submitting at forum.postwrestling.com. And that will bring an end to the Halloween edition of Rewind to Raw. We're back on Tuesday night live at 8 p.m. Eastern time for the live watch along for the WBF pay-per-view from June of 1992. This is a... An easy show to find on YouTube if you search for it. So we will be watching the two-hour show along with Brandon from New Jersey, which I look forward to. And uh, we hope you will be joining us. All Post Wrestling Cafe members are welcome uh, to join us for the live watch-along. And then Wednesday, we're back with Rewind to Dynamite right after Wednesday's show taking place in Baltimore, Maryland. So that is all coming your way. And again, once again, our Post Wrestling five-year anniversary show tickets are on sale now postwrestling.com slash live we are going to be at qxt's nightclub in newark new jersey live q a brayden and davy and many 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 the biggest gathering of the post wrestling contingent so uh, grab your tickets now postwrestling.com slash live and we hope to see you on saturday november the 19th way i hope you had a uh, tremendous halloween and uh now it is november i know yeah um we're moving from pumpkin spice season to peppermint season. Ooh, what are, what's your preference? Um, you know, um, maybe the peppermint. Yeah, peppermint's very um, very solid. I love peppermint. Yeah, it's nice. Okay, way's done. So we're gonna sign off and thank you for listening to Rewind a Raw. <laughs>